And today we start a brand new series called Joseph. And um, the, the really where this came from for me was we were, uh, we just got off of a series called At the Movies. How many of y'all enjoyed At the Movies? You had the fun and popcorn and soda. And we did that and uh, it was great and we had a really good time doing it. But what was interesting about be uh, right before that series, we did a series called uh, Hall of Faith and we looked at different characters in the Bible and I ran across Joseph and I was gonna teach one week on Joseph, but I, Joseph's one of my favorite characters. And so I decided I wanted to do a whole series on him because there's so many lessons to learn in his life. And uh, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter number 37. Genesis chapter 37 verse two is kind of where we're going to be. And uh, it's gonna be really good. We're gonna open up the word of God and, and kind of see what God has to say about his life and our life and kind of how it intersects and all this kind of, it's going to be really, really good. But uh, before we read it, I want to kind of give you an idea of kind of how it, uh, how it kind of plays out, what it looks like. Um, up until this point, obviously the Bible, it's really cool that we're in Genesis because if you're new to the Bible, it's easy to find it. It's the first book. And so just go to page one, which is, I'm sure it's page one in your Bible as well. And uh, you just go to Genesis and obviously the account of Genesis starts with the start of kind of the creation account, how God creates the world. And then it moves into Adam and Eve, and then, you know, Adam and Eve has kids. And eventually gets to this really unique character named Abraham. And some of you might have heard of Abraham. He has the fun song, Father Abraham had many. So y'all heard some of it. So uh, we don't have to sing it. And then um, Abraham has Isaac. Isaac then has Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. And one of the 12 sons of Jacob is Joseph. And now he has one, he has a daughter as well, but he's the 11th son of Jacob. And up until this point, you don't see his name or see his life until Genesis chapter 37. So that's where we're going to be. It's kind of the context of where the Bible is right now. We're about to learn. We're going to watch and listen to a story on Joseph. So that's kind of where we are. Verse two is where we'll start. If not, you don't have your Bibles, we'll put up on the screens. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. And when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and the sons of his father's wives, Bilhab and Jephah, blah, 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 and then uh, the name. And then, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Now, this is interesting. So you start to see the characteristic of the family dynamic, okay? So now you have a brother who is the tattletale, okay? The kind of Bible literally says he's the tattletale, tells him all the stuff that he's doing. And then the Bible goes on in verse 3. This is funny. This is for you parents. Jacob loved Joseph more than any other his children because Joseph had been born to him in old age. So this this is what's funny. So you find out he's not only a tattletale, but the family dynamic is also that the parent thinks he's his favorite. So, and you, if you're a parent in here, raise your hand. Come on, if you're a parent, just come on. You're part of a special sorority fraternity club that we all are just making it in life. You all just hang on. If you have young kids, everybody say, hang on. Just hang on. I was talking to some guy the other day. I was like, look, you got young kids right now. The name of the game for you, just hang on. It gets better because eventually they can feed themselves. Eventually they leave your house. Come on, somebody. Is coming, so just hang on. But in family dynamics, you probably don't want to have a favorite, but the truth is you probably have a favorite. Come on, y'all know that you know what I'm saying. Like, this is, well, if I don't really have a favorite, but if you had to hold me down, it's that one. That's, that's Jacob for Joseph. And he, he's so much his favorite, he gives him a special gift. This is another parent fail. You don't give one kid a gift that's super cool that the other kids don't get either if you don't want to cause trouble. And he gives them this kind. They even make, um, a, a, like, a, a, not an opera, a, 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 like on Broadway, a musical on Joseph. What, what y'all know? His many, coat of what? Many colors. Yeah, coat of many colors is where it comes from. And so Joseph gets this cool gift, this dope jacket. And he's like, this is awesome. Verse four, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. That 
this is probably going to happen. And they couldn't say a kind word to him. And one night, Joseph had a dream. This is important. This is where we're going to get. This is the whole construct of the message today is we're going to talk about dreams. This is important, so pay attention. He said he had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, because he didn't quite understand what it was, they hated him more than ever. Because this is why. This is, what he, this is why the, you're like, why would you hate him for his dream? This is, then he tells him the dream. He says, this is the, the dream. This is what happened. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and they bowed before me. So translation, my dream told me that I'm the man and you ain't. So just get ready because I'm about to be the king and you're going to be the peasants. Get ready. And as you can probably tell, his brothers were not very happy. Verse eight, he says, so you think you're going to be our king, huh? It's like that. Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And then they hated him all the more because of his dreams were, and the way he talked about them. It's like, Joseph, come on, man. Like, if it's the dream, you probably don't want to tell him that. Like, have some wherewithal to be normal. And then verse 9, it says, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he didn't listen. He didn't learn from his last mistake. He goes to his brothers and has a little brag. Now he's a little braggy about it. He said, hey, by the way, I had another dream. And uh, the sun, the moon, and even the stars. So now it's not, now not only are you going to bow to me, but creation is going to bow to me. Just want to let you know, I'm the favorite. Hello, I got the coat, just to prove it. In verse 10, he says, this time, he said he told his father as well as his brothers. And then his father gets mad and he's like, what's your dream about? You tell me in your dream, your mom and I are going to bow to you and your brothers are going to bow to you. Are you kidding me? And while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, this is important. This is it's weird. Uh, some Bible verses stick out to me. This is the one that stuck out to me. It says, while he was like literally jealous, of, while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what his dreams were. Like, so let's backtrack. Joseph wondered what his dream was. His father wondered what his dream was. His brothers also wondered, why would God ever give my brother a dream? Think about your brother right now. Why would God give him a dream like that? They wondered what a dream meant. And as a pastor, maybe one of the most asked, frequently asked questions I get on a regular basis, this is what it is. I had a vision or a dream from God and I want to know what it means. Or I want to know. What about this? I want to know that it's actually from God and not bad sushi I had last night. How do you know? If God gives you a word, if God gives you a vision, how do you know if God gives you a dream? How do you know it's from God? How do you know it's personal? How do you know this is what you should be on? Because even if you're, this is not if you're just, if you're 20 starting out, I'm talking about if you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, because I meet tons of families and tons of people who are living a dream that's not really theirs. And you're chasing something that God didn't give you. How are you supposed to know? I mean, we've got to know that. I mean, we're Christians. We hear from God. How do we know to determine whether or not it's a good dream or it's a not so good dream? And so my title of today is The Dream Test. The Dream Test. If you're taking notes, The Dream Test. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you are so good. You are so amazing. There are so many things we have to learn inside of your word. I love Joseph. And I'm, I'm excited to learn about his life today. I pray that your lessons would be clear and that our hearts would be open. Our minds would be ready to understand the word you have to say. Holy Spirit, I'm not good enough. My words aren't good enough. I'm not a good enough preacher. I'm not a good enough orator. God, you got to do something in this place to make it relevant. And I pray that you would do that. Help us make much of you today, Jesus. That's our prayer and that's our hope in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. 
If you don't know this about me, um, if you're new here, or maybe you, you, we haven't had a chance to talk, or maybe I haven't said it from time to time, but I'm kind of a shoe guy. I like shoes. I have more shoes than my wife, and um, I, I love them. I like to collect them. I like to collect shoes that I like to wear, um, so I have to caveat that, because there are some sneakerheads that care. Well, they'll buy shoes that are thousands of dollars that they never wear, and they put on the wall, or they trade and mix. I don't do that. I like to buy shoes that I get to wear, um, but because of that, it kind of limits the amount of money I'm willing to spend on shoes, because at the end of the day, I don't want to spend you know, $1,000 on shoes and never wear them. I would never wear them. I'd be stressed out the whole time. And like, I'd be walking on tiptoes, you know what I mean? Like, stay out of water, you know? It'd be crazy. And so I don't want to be like that. So I buy shoes and I enjoy them. But what I didn't know is that the shoe industry is a $55 billion industry. I mean, it's a big deal, Nike and Adidas and all these shoes. I mean, that's a huge, huge market for the shoe industry. Not only that, there's a whole aftermarket industry where if you buy your shoe retail, you can turn around and sell the shoe on a website or through a, a consignment store or you know, through eBay, and you can actually make money off the shoe that you got in a digital line and won the lottery to get and upsell the shoe, come on, and make money for it. There's a whole aftermarket uh, market for it, and it's a billion-dollar industry. We're talking about a lot of money, and a lot of people want this, and it's only getting more and more popular. And I'll give you an example. I kind of have a couple of shoes here I wanted to show you that I thought would be interesting. I got two pairs of shoes, um, and I'm, we're going to have a little fun game here. Um, these are these are really, really, really cool. These are what they call Jordan 1 High, high tops. They're kind of made to be high top shoes. And so you can kind of see it's based on the, the height of the, you know, of the kind of the area that goes around your ankles. They have highs, they have mids, and they have lows. By the way, if you want to know what your pastor's favorite shoe is, it's a Jordan 1 low. That's my favorite shoe of all time. So this is not necessarily my favorite shoe, but it's my favorite style of shoe. These are one of the most popular shoes in all of the world right now. These are called the Hyper, Hyper Royal Smoke Grays. Now, here's what's interesting. This shoe retail right now is probably $130, $140. The problem is, is you can't go into a store and buy them because they're not available. You can't even go online to the Nike.com store and buy them because they're not available. You had to get in line, in a digital line, wake up at like 8 a.m. in the morning, put your money in, and then hope to God that you won the lottery and actually were able to buy these shoes. And so what's really cool is you can buy these for 140, but right now you cannot buy these for 140. You can buy them for 500. The upsell on them is for that. It's based on the market of the shoe. And they're really, really, I mean, they're really cool. I couldn't pull them off. These are not, by the way, these are not my shoes. These are borrowed shoes, just so y'all don't judge me. So these are a borrowed shoe and uh, from, from a store locally here. I, I know the guy, he's a gentleman, he's a great guy. Shout out, Infinity Boutique, Shoe Boutique. So anyway, he's, um, I go, I got a shoe guy. I go to my shoe guy. So anyway, so I go to him and he's like, these are really, really cool. And I said, I said, man, these are amazing shoes. He goes, yo, man, these are awesome. These are really, really cool. So I started looking into it. I've got this shoe. I'm like, this whole culture just fascinates me. So I get in the YouTube like rabbit trail. How many of y'all have done that before where you just put something in search and all of a sudden two hours later you're like where did the time go? What I realized was is not only was the one billion dollar aftermarket shoe market really really popular so is the fake market. That you can buy the shoe and not really know if it's real until you get it authenticated. And so there's a whole company and whole subset of another market that sells the shoe that you want so badly at a better price, but they're actually not the real shoe. And so you, you need to know this. There's shoe conventions, like, like shoe literally convention center where they sell out and these guys will go and sell their shoes. And when you go into the shoe to sell your shoe, you can go to these people called shoe authenticators and they're wizards at knowing if the shoe is real or not. I'm going to show you a quick little short because this is fascinating to me. I'm like amazing that they can tell just by watch they do. I'm going to show you a video. Check this out. This is what they do when you take a shoe and get it authenticated. She's a Union Jordan 2. She's amazing. She can tell by the box, the feel of the label, 
the feel of the paper she got the paper has a feel if you look at all of these holes closely it's double stitches in all of them so there's got to be double yeah, stitching in the holes right here. we got to pay attention to the font now i know that sounds weird she's got to smell the shoe they're not worn shoes they have a chemical smell if they don't smell right so it's a famous smell test it's actually really important you can tell and so they're legit based on even the bag of the laces, the extra laces, the bag of the laces are specific. And so what she'll do is she'll put the authentication tag on it. And now that it's authenticated, she can, they can now take that shoe and go sell it because it's real. She determined it was real. And I was like, that's amazing. So let's just have some fun real quick here. I have both shoes here. One is real. One is fake. Both have extra shoe laces to them. One is real. One is fake. Who thinks, based on look, who thinks this was the real one? Raise your hand. Come on, just like by, just come on, raise your hand. Come on. If you feel like you got deodorant on and you're positive, this is the real one. All right. How many of y'all think this is the real one? Raise your hand. Come on now. All right. So you're just proving my point. How can you know? The truth is, you don't really know. You don't really know which one is real. You don't, really, you don't really know that if you bought this shoe or this shoe for $500, that was actually worth your money. It was actually worth your time. By the way, this one's the real one. You won. Whoever won. And I was thinking about it. Wouldn't it be cool if you were able to take your dream like you can take a shoe and authenticate it? Like, wouldn't it be really neat? Because at the end of the day, these are five, you can lose $500, but many people are losing a lifetime. Many people are losing the ability to, thank you, Pam. Many people are losing the ability to do what God's actually called them to do simply because you, you bought into a fake. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I think one of the cool things I could do as a pastor is maybe give you some biblical co constructs and guidelines about, like, if God gives you a dream, what, what do you do? Because it determines so much about your life. So today, what I'm going to do with you is I'm going to give you four questions in the, what I call the dream test that can help you determine whether or not what you're doing right now or what you're thinking about doing or what you have done in the past was from God. This is not the definitive test. These are not the only questions to ask. But I think this has been really helpful. Whenever I meet with somebody, I thought I'd just turn into the sermon. Here's my advice I give to people when somebody says, I think I heard from God. Which, by the way, if you ever meet with a pastor or a friend or a leader in your life, never tell them, I heard from God. I know it for sure. I need you to validate it. Because I work for God. So if you come to me and tell me God said that, what am I going to say? No, he didn't. I don't know that. But one thing you could say is, I think I heard from God. What do you think? Here's what I'm thinking, and what I naturally do is go through these four questions, which I call four tests, to determine the authentication, come on, of a real godly dream. This will help you. This will be really good. Number one, number one, this is the first question I think, that's, like, I think everybody should ask. This is the first test that you should pass. Is it godly? Is it godly? Is your dream godly? Does my dream honor, here's what, does it honor God and his word? Does it align with what God says in his word? Because fantasies, I'm just telling you, have a way of being ungodly. They just have this weird, eerie look to them because they don't look like our God. They don't smell like our God. They don't feel like our God. Come on, they, they don't have that in them. 
And what's interesting about humans is that you can convince your, if you really want something or you get infatuated with something or you have some human desire, it, you can find a Bible verse for it out of context, obviously, and prove yourself right. You're not supposed to prove your dream right. You're supposed to prove God's dream right for you. That's done through the word of God. It's through the lens of the Bible. I like what Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow. And this is the important part and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Those of you who follow your heart, that is ridiculous based on the Bible. It's the most unsafe thing you can do. Why? Because the Bible says your heart is wicked and deceitful that no one can trust it. And Disney was wrong. Don't follow your heart. And the only way you can discern the intentions of your heart, whether it was flesh or if it was spirit, is actually the word of God. That your dream has to align with God's character and God's word. So here's kind of three sub-questions within the main question you can ask yourself to find out if it's godly. Is real easy one is like, is it sinful? Now, again, I know this seems like pretty elementary stuff, but we don't ever ask these questions, honestly. If it, we, what we do is we want to do something. If it feels good or it makes us feel good, then we do it. That's what we a lot of times do. We live the lazy boy life. If I feel good in it, this is the one I need to get. But you should ask yourself, does my dream have a sinful nature to it? You would be shocked how many things I get asked of whether it's a good idea or not, based on the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to give you an insight. Sitting down. It's like one of my first questions. Literally one of the first meetings I had as a pastor. I had this guy come in. He's going through problems in his marriage. And um, he sat down in my office. I was like, man, how, how can I help you? You know, I was like, oh, I want to be helpful. I'm a pastor. I love people. I want to help you. How can I help you? He sat down. He says, you know, going through some stuff with my wife. And, uh, you know, honestly, I feel like I heard from God on what to do. I said, oh. Okay, cool. Well, what, what did God tell you? He said, you know, God told me, and he proceeded to try to convince me that God told him to cheat on his wife. No. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding you. If I'm lying, I'm, I'm just, and you right now are probably sitting there going, I'd never do that. <laughs> really? I would never put God's name on something that I thought of to make me feel good and tell everybody about it on social media. Not, 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 none of us do that. Is it sinful? And I'm looking at the guy going, even non-Christians think this is messed up. So is it sinful is a great question, but that's not where it stops. Because some of you are like, well, I did it. It's not sinful. And it's from God for sure. I know it because it's not sinful. But it's another question. The next level would be, is it immoral? Like, is it immoral? Because there's some things that are probably not sins, but they're not good based on morality or God's character. Like I met people who were like, why well, I, I punched a guy? I'm like, why did you punch the guy? Because I felt like God told me to go punch the guy. I'm like, well, I guess that's not really a sin. I, I guess I can probably prove that it's not. I can probably prove a Bible that it is, but I, like, let's just assume it's not a sin, but it doesn't mean it's right. Still immoral. Still not the like, kind thing to do that you punched a guy. You know, right? Like, that would be immoral. 
So you're like, well, it's not ungodly, but it's not immoral. But it's, um, God totally, definitely. Told. Well, there's a third layer. Is it wise? Like, is it wise? I'll give you an example. My son, one of my teenagers, I won't tell you his name. Um, he keeps asking me for this. I don't know if you guys, does anybody have teenagers in here? Just like, can you relate? I don't know, it's weird. They pray for me. I just, I don't even know who they, they transform in your house. Y'all know that, right? Like, who is this? Who is this? And my, my son was like, Dad, I want to I wanna pull an all-nighter. He's trying to convince me during the summer, I want to pull an all-nighter. I'm like, where did you learn this? Is this on TikTok somewhere? Is this in like the social fabric? Is it in the water? What's going on? And so she, he's like, no, I want to do an all-nighter. I go, why? He's like, because I want to see if I can do it. And I was like, no. <laughs> go to bed. Get out of my room, right? Like, get out of here. I start throwing pillows and stuff. Get, get, get. He kept asking me every day, so I said, fine. Go ahead and do it. Come on, parents. How many of y'all get to that point? Like, fine, whatever. Just get out of here. Go play in the street, whatever. You, know. you want it? Fine. Eat sugar till you throw up. Like, you almost want them to, right? Like, I want to teach you a lesson. So go ahead and do it. Next day, wakes up, Dad, it was terrible. I can't breathe and sleep, and I'm tired. And I'm like, well, you're not. You're tired because you didn't sleep. It's A plus B equals C, homie. Is that, un is that sinful? No. Is it immoral? No. Is it wise? Probably not. Right? And so we... We can litmus test ourselves where it's not sinful and it's not immoral, but it's, it's all good, but it's not wise. I know people who buy $100,000 cars and you can't really afford it. Is it sinful? No. Is it immoral? No. But you can't afford it and now your family's in bankruptcy, but you buy a nice car that's $100,000. No, God didn't tell you to buy that car. Y'all, this is, I'm just giving you the real. Did I press a button there? Okay, we'll go to number two. Let's go to number two. <laughs> Get off my car, Pastor. All right, number two. Am I gifted to accomplish it? Am I gifted to accomplish it? Like godly dreams, listen to me, they, they align with my gift mix. They align with my gift mix. Fantasies have a way of making us chase something that we're not gifted in. And then the world we live in right now is crazy because you can see everybody's win. You just pull out your phone and you're like, I'm here's, you know what's funny? This is humans, right? We do this. I do this. You do this. I'm losing right now. What's everybody else doing? And you scroll through their wins while you're losing. So since you're losing and you're scrolling through their winning, you're like, maybe my losing is the result of, of the wrong thing that I should be doing since they're winning in what they're doing and God called them to do, which is not real, but they're winning. I'm going to do what they're doing so that if I'm going to do what they're doing, then I can win and not lose. But God didn't call you to write to, to fulfill their dream. God called you to walk in your dream. And you're not gifted at that. I've had people who show up to our church and they're like, I'm called to sing. I see that person sing. He's amazing. He's a great singer. I want to sing. I'm called to sing. You come to worship practice. We do an evaluation. We don't do uh, uh, tryouts. We, we're not, this is an American Idol. This is evaluation. Where are you in the process of the bus? You want to sing. Can you sing? We find out you can't sing because you thought you could sing because the acoustics in your bathroom is amazing. 
You thought you could sing, so you can't sing. And we tell you you can't sing, then you tell you send me a direct message or you email me or you tell me in the lobby and you're like, I'm out of here because you told me I couldn't sing. And I'm like, I'm doing you a favor. Because <laughs> you can't do it. And I would rather keep you from something you can't do so that you're not robbing yourself from something you can. Some of us have started, I know people who start businesses because they saw their friend start a business. He's a businessman and she's a businesswoman and they're killing it in business and you don't like your job. Quit my job, I'm starting my own business. And you start a business, you know, dog grooming, and it doesn't work. And you're like, I don't like that anyway. And then you start another business, I'm gonna cut the lawn, and that doesn't work, and it fails. And then you start another business, and I'm gonna make cookies, and that doesn't work, and I'm not gonna fail at that. And you start a business, and you're now a hairdresser, and that doesn't work. And you keep looking to God saying, God, I know you gave me the dream. I'm telling you, you gave me the dream, but you're not gifted in being a business person, and you think you're on the wrong seat on the bus. No, homie, you're on the wrong bus. You need to not be a business person and go work with someone who has gifted in being a business person and do it to the best of your ability because you'll win there. You'll be the number one version of you. You are a mediocre version of someone else. Is this okay? Group hug. We cool. Bible says that He's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You're gifted. You just got to find your gift place. You got to find your gift mix. That's why we take people to next steps all the time. Like, go to next steps. What, you, what, what do I got to do? I want to join this church. Next, next steps. Well, I want to serve. So I want to be a part. We got to go to next steps. Well, man, I want to be a part of small groups. I want to do this. You got to go to next steps. Well, I really called to do this. I'm like, you got to go to next steps. Well, I want to get up on the platform and preach. Well, listen, it's harder than it looks, but you need to start at next steps. Like, it's you got to go to next steps so we can help you develop your purpose and find out who you are so you can actually figure out your gift mix so that you can go make a difference because that's what God called you to do. So you don't wind up living someone else's dream. I'm trying to save me counseling time. Is that okay? I love you. Number three, can I take steps to realize it? We're, trying to, we're talking about the dream test. How to determine if your dream is from God or from you? or from someone else. Can I take steps to realize it? Does my dream have steps for me to take? Fantasies have a way of removing our part to play in our dream. This is where I have a problem with Christians. So if you're not a Christian in here, you off limits. Like, get them, pastor. I'm gonna get them right now. Christians are notorious for this. You hear something from God that you think is from God, and then you do stuff like, uh, nothing. You do nothing. And you sit in your prayer closet and you ask the Lord to do a miracle on your behalf to accomplish your dream. Christians are notoriously lazy. If God gave you a dream, don't be lazy with it. You got to work the dream. Well, pastor, I believe in the miracle work of God. Go back and read the Bible. Please go back and read the Bible before you talk to me about miracles. Especially the ones with Jesus. Jesus loved, loved it. He loved to do miracles. But you know, you could see him almost smile off the pages is when they were part of the miracle. Like they took a step 
God works miracles in the steps that you take. It's not the preamble, the pre. It's like saying, I want to win that game, but you hang out in the locker room. You got to show up to the game. You got to do your part. Y'all know that. You have a part to play in your dream. And the Bible says it so clearly in Proverbs chapter 69, the Lord establishes his steps. And Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my what? My feet and a light unto my path that God shows up in the pathway that as I take a step, then the miracle happens. And I take a step and then the miracle happens. And then I take a step and then the miracle happens. The miracles are, don't happen and manifest on their own. Can God do it without your help? Yes, but he loves to use people. Which by the way, when Jesus was on this earth, he didn't really need anybody. He was God. Are we going to all agree on that, right? Amen? Then the church said, amen. amen. Okay. God doesn't need anybody, yet he picked what? Twelve people to change the world. God uses people to make miracles happen all the time. Great story in the Bible. There's all kinds of, one of my favorites is there's a lady who's been bleeding like her whole life. She had like a problem with it. There's a crowd coming around. Jesus is walking through. He is the preeminent, prelate preacher of the time. He is amazing. He is the Jesus we know about, the miracle-working power of Jesus. And she didn't just sit in her house one. I hope Jesus heals me. I hope you heal me, Jesus. I hope it, yeah. She got up, and she took a step, touched the seat seat of his, of his, of his garment, the seat seat of the rabbi, which was his cloak, a part of his cloak, being a Jewish rabbi that he was, touched it. And what did the Bible say? Jesus recognized, power just came out of me. Something happened. Someone took a step towards me, and my power took a step towards her. And so I'm just saying, if you're looking for a miracle in your dream life, you better get up and do something. Like, can we stop being the lazy Christians of the day, praying our way into things? I'm not saying prayer doesn't have power. You just got to know how to use it. I'm not saying God doesn't do miracles. He, he does miracles, but he works through method. He works through uh, uniformity of belief. He works through faith. Faith without works is it's dead. So we got to learn to take steps. And steps look like strategies, by the way. I know for some of you, you're like, strategies, I'm creative. Don't put me in a box. I don't want steps. I want flow. <laughs> like everybody, all of a sudden, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, everybody's just flowing. Y'all Christian hippies, guess what? <laughs> Put a step and a process and make a strategy. A strategy is small steps. Come on. They're small planned steps of action to take to accomplish big things. St strategies are not for the organized people. They're for the successful people. And last one is this. We're talking about the dream test. Is my dream missional? Does my dream help others around me? Uh, fantasies have a tendency to feel self-serving and very, very selfish. If you ever hear somebody talk about their dream and it only elevates them, uh, I'm not sure it's from God. I'm just I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just, I'd be hard pressed to know that you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, heard from God and he gave you a dream that only best blessed and benefited you. It's not even how he thinks. It's not even how he works. Yeah. Remember, it got to line up with his character and his word and who God is. And a godly dream will always have an a way to elevate you and others around you. Yeah. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty. This is important. Hello, this is important. Plenty left over for others. 
God doesn't give you kids to bless just you. God gave you kids to bless the world around you. That's why you train them. You're being irresponsible with your kids if there's no discipline and training in your house. Because you think it's just about you. Well, I can handle it because they're crazy. The world can't handle it that they're crazy. Nobody invites us over at the house because you don't say nothing to your kids and they're nuts. Well, God should love everybody. He does love them. I'm not God. I don't love them. They're crazy. Am I talking to anybody other than me? Y'all, y'all have said, all y'all said that too. And if you don't feel that way, it's, it might be your kid. So I'm just saying. God gives us money to elevate you, yes, but to elevate those around you. Not just to bless you, to bless your world. God gives you your business, not just to bless you, to bless the others around you. Stop complaining about being sacrificial. You signed up for a movement, not a belief system. It's what we do. It's how we roll. Well, it hurts to do this. I got to sacrifice all the time to be a Christian. Well, what do you want, a cookie? This is what we do. This is who we are. You signed up to be sacrificial. You signed up to elevate others. You signed up to be a blessing. You signed up to be a conduit. You signed up to walk around and say, I'm going to take care of your meal today. You signed up to, I'm going to take care of your groceries. You signed up, come bring your kid over to my house. I know he's crazy, but I'm going to have to access some Jesus right now because you need help. So bring him over here and drop him off and I'll throw some cookies in a room and close the door. I'm just called, come on, to be a blessing. And if your dream doesn't do that, and in your dream, you're elevated high above everyone. I think that's what Joseph's issue was. We haven't even gotten to Joseph's life. But the whole reason he goes through all of his issues is because of how he handled his dream. Even if it was from God, you don't walk around braggy about it. Hey, kids, guess what? I'm running all this one day. You better be nice to me. And he didn't go to God with his dream. Have some questions, some ways to evaluate. And so many of us are doing that. We're wasting our lives running somebody else's race. Stop running someone else's dream. You have a dream. Find out what your dream is. Hear from the Lord and then test it. So that you don't end up wasting your life like you can end up wasting your money on the fake. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you that today was a message for me. Uh, it was personal to me because so many times I feel like I hear from you, God, and I don't know that I heard from you. And these questions have served me well as my journey with you has uh, manifested and shown to be trying at times. And, and sometimes it's hard to know who's God and who's me and what's happening. And so, Lord, I just pray that today, that the Holy Spirit would give us all our personal step to take as we navigate your dreams that you give us. I know you speak to us, God. I know you do. You're a good God. You love us. You speak to us all the time. And I pray that we would learn to discern your word and your voice in everything that we do. In Jesus' name.